create organisms that survive on Mars and, and do the exploration for us uh, even before we go there. So you, you can think about developing these uh, new species or new organisms. Um, you know, that's still, you know, kind of like sci-fi, but, but at least we will develop the know-how to get there um, and, and to do those things. Interesting. So you, you, you create a new organism, uh, give it the powers of uh, GPT-4, and then just leave it in, in space. Great. So coming back to uh, the topic. So that's amazing, Sam. So thanks for taking us through CRISPR and also AlphaFold. Now, yeah. I know this area is so rapidly evolving, but how do you see, let's say, five years from now, 10 years from now, are there any any things in progress that would show up? Yeah, that would I change mean, the world? The immediate applications would be curing diseases, uh, uh, especially at the moment we are looking at diseases that can be cured by changing just one or two or few nucleotides. And there are many diseases like right. that, sickle cell anemia, beta thalassemia. Uh, these are uh, diseases of the blood. And, and it's also very easy to cure diseases of the blood because you know, we can, we, we are pretty good at bone marrow transplantations. We are good at engineering blood cells. They're easy to extract from the body. And so immediate, I think within five to 10 years, you'll see a lot more therapies coming for diseases of the blood, cancers of the blood, um, mutations uh, of the blood that can be cured, um, et cetera. That'll be one right. main uh, focus of, uh, yeah, efforts. And um, speak, speaking of non-human uh, uh, works, you'll see a lot more genetically modified uh, foods, uh, genetically modified organisms um, out in the market. Um, obviously, I mean, it, it comes down to uh, the FDA approvals and having them uh, available to people. But but that's going to become, I mean, that's, that's the next revolution, uh, providing food for the masses, uh, mass producing um, uh, food, I think is going to be a big need for humankind as we grow in population. And and I think GMOs definitely are one way uh, to solve that problem. So we'll see a lot more of yeah. a revolution happening there as well. Uh, the other thing that I think will also happen is we will um, also develop more understanding of how biology works. And, and that's kind of what mm. we are learning from AlphaFold. Uh, we will learn to design better biological systems in general, and not just for producing food, et cetera, but also we, we, we would be able to answer questions such as, hey, you know, if I want a particular functionality, like we were talking about, you know, dragons that breathe fire, you know, we are able to answer right. those questions. We are able to say, hey, these are, this is how we go about building systems that way. Uh, you know, if you want a computer that can talk to a human, we kind of know how to do that today, uh, using our understanding from computer science and, and machine learning. Right. We will do the same with biological systems. You want to build an organism that could scavenge um, the Antarctic and, and tell us if there is anything interesting there. You could create an organism that can survive that temperature and that could go there and do all the scavenging for us. You could create organisms that survive on Mars and, and do the exploration for us uh, even before we go there. So you, you can think about developing these uh, new species or new organisms. Um, you know, that's still you know, kind of like sci-fi, but, but at least we will develop the know-how to get there um, and, and to do those things. Interesting. So you, you, you create a new organism, uh, give it the powers of uh, GPT-4, and then just leave it in, in space, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. They would not to hurt you. 
<laughs> Definitely. And I, I, you know, uh, yes. So, uh, you know, if you talk about technological singularity, right, that could be one way uh, the technological singularity could happen. You know, we create something that we can't control and then that can uh, come and haunt us back. Uh, but um, but that's where synthetic biology, I think, is also, I think, uh, an area of uh, great interest, because as I was mentioning earlier, we can create now proteins with extra amino acids that has never been seen uh, in nature until 13 billion years of evolution. And so you are going to see these new kinds of uh, functional moieties that that biological systems can uh, carry. And that's going to be exciting as well. And even to give us... To just build on that, so what's stopping us? Is it more investment needed or more energy? Or are there any, uh, you know, big computational problems that we have? So, for example, let's say if you are if you are able to develop fusion, right, as an infinite source of energy, would that yeah. lead to acceleration of this process? So, what's stopping yeah. us? You know, um, uh, to be honest, I think the reason why innovation in biology is a little slow is because we do want to proceed with caution, and and a lot of reason for that is um, is it touches on a lot of ethical questions of what we think uh, should be tried and what we think shouldn't be tried. Um, you know, uh, we do know, for example, CRISPR can help us cure uh, all kinds of diseases. And so you could imagine um, that, uh, you know, an experiment like what was attempted in China, where there was a scientist who wanted to edit babies uh, as they're being born uh, so that they wouldn't have a gene called CCR5, which is a gene that actually encodes um, the receptor for HIV virus. Now, we don't exactly know what all functions CCR5 does in the body, but this scientist had this idea that I'm going to test it out. I'm going to create a human being Mm. that doesn't have CCR5. One thing we know for sure is that human being will be resistant to AIDS, HIV AIDS. Um, Now, will that human being have other defects? I don't know, but I would only know unless I build that human. So he went ahead, he edited the babies and it was a big news, etc. Now the question is, um, yeah, so is that is that an experiment we would want to try? Are those kinds of experiments that we would want to allow or not allow? And so that's that's the reason for caution in biology, because, you know, it it touches a lot of these borderline ethical questions, um, unless the kinds like a nuclear fusion, you know, if we can guarantee that these experiments would not you know, explode and people would be safe, you know, conducted in a safe, controlled environment, we would get an approval for those experiments. But the questions of ethics and, and biology, those take hard time to resolve and, and to give us approvals for those kinds of experiments. And, and, I, and rightfully so, because I don't know if we have a straightforward answer for a question that, uh, like that. You know, we don't know what we might end up creating. And, and, and you know, if that person might you know, is that person fully human? Is that person not fully human? I mean, this this is just a, a whole plethora of questions that we need to answer in that space. So that is definitely one factor. Um, the other, I think, is um, at least until now, we haven't taught biology as an information science. And, and more and more, mm-hmm. uh, I think this adaption of uh, f- this framework of looking at biology as an information science, coming combining that with machine learning is definitely going to accelerate our understanding and definitely going to accelerate even the test, uh, you know, design build cycle of biological systems and, and make us also uh, move forward uh, as well in that sense. So Sam, on that front, right, like just to push that, uh, that, that kind of line of thinking, 
we're talking about obviously GPT-3 and all these advances in AI. Like, could I now synthetically create like human brains without a body, just a bunch of human brains, hook them up and create like a, you know, human brain network that will probably work more efficiently than like any kind of machine we can build that does artificial, like we're talking about GPUs and how difficult it is to get the heavy metals mined in like countries in Africa to live with like child labor being employed. But if I could just get like, you know, hundred brains, like Einstein's brains, custom build the brains in the lab and then use that as my computer to then run like all sorts of interesting ideas on it. Is that like now a possibility? Yeah. So <laughs> there is there is some uh, uh, research in that space. So you've heard of uh, Neuralink. Uh, this was this company uh, Elon was interested in. But uh, anyway, so long story short, there is that idea of uh, interfacing um, human computation with uh, computation mm -hmm. we do in computers, and and there is a lot of interest mm -hmm. uh, in in uh, in doing that. There are some experiments that are exactly what you are describing, where um, the people have essentially made neurons in the lab. Uh, we can do that thanks to stem cells now, and then um, let the neurons form networks. Uh, spontaneously, like they potentially mm. might do uh, in a developing body, and then hook up electrodes to those neurons, and then do some basic mm. computation. And we were able to do some basic computation. We were able to do basic arithmetic. We were able to do like uh, logic um, and or not kind of logic uh, with these neural networks, oh. and that was that was very interesting. And that's a humble beginning, and that's a humble start. Uh, we still, um, you know, neuroscience is still an area where we are trying to understand how is the human brain organized? How does human brain keep track of time? How does human brain uh, do all kinds of computation, etc.? We 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 don't understand that yet, but we think neural networks are getting there. We we think that. You know, with this idea of uh, studying AI and the responses to neurons, we can understand that. But those experiments are underway if we could build a, a better computer uh, by building neurons. Okay. I would say that still, I think, instead of approaching uh, neurons as a black box, instead of approaching the brain as a black box, I think a quicker mm. way is, um, is approaching it as an entity we understand and then delivering the signals we want to deliver. Kind of like what we did with computers. We, we understand the abstraction. We understand layers mm. of uh, computation that we can build. And I would assume that we might go faster uh, if we were to just build better computers than trying to program. Exactly. Mm. That's, that's just my, 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 my hunch. I might be wrong, but that's just my, my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a fascinating idea. I mean, the, the thing is, there's two like interesting caveats, right? So one is, I think, in the, if you look at the most most recent advances in, in AI, like if you look at the, the neural network, right, the deep neural networks that exist today, part of it was what is fascinating is the person programming the neural network has no idea why it works, yeah, right? Exactly. So that's part of the, the interesting, like exactly. we've now come to this point where we went from deterministic programs where you tell the computer exactly what it needs to do, like sort a bunch of numbers, to now in a world where you just tell the computer to recognize images of cats and dogs, but the way in which it does it is often very hard to explain by a human just yeah. looking at the neural network, which is what I think is this very interesting frontier that we're at. And the other angle is that it's getting very inefficient from an energy standpoint. So going back to what Bundy said, if we invent nuclear fusion and we have abundance of energy, it's one thing. But the reason I was interested in this, like humans have this amazing computer that seemingly is quite energy efficient. Like it doesn't take as much energy, at least from the looks of it, compared to like how much my PG&E bill is every month to run a video game console. So like yeah. that's why I wonder, maybe there is some efficiency that is to be gained from biological systems 
even if the computational capacity is not nearly as high, which I think is an interesting kind of approach there. Yeah, like yeah. simple, you know, a yeah. banana in the morning, uh, some rice and chicken in the afternoon, yeah. that will power a full human yeah. body, right? Of course, there's a lot of structure already in the body that's been encoded. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing how efficient, um, you know, not just humans, but in general, uh, living organisms are, right? Yeah. And you also skirt and, the, I think, ethical issues if you just create the brain, right? Like the issue is the, the ethical issues become very, very pertinent when you create full organisms. But if you say you're just creating a body part, it's now no different from like generating an artificial heart from a pig or like from an even human cells to then like help somebody that has a heart disease. So I feel like if you just generate the brain as opposed to generating the rest of the body, I think it's easier for people to get behind that as a, it's just a piece of meat at that stage. It's not really like a human at that stage. But, so like, that's the other like but, but, extraction. But even, even, but even for that, what if that brain becomes sentient? What if that brain becomes self-aware? And, and then that brain right. <laughs> claims all kinds of rights, you know, and then, then, uh, you know, right. I, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's still a hard, a hard thing to answer. I think. Yeah. It's like we are at a stage in the, um, you know, in technology, right. So where all these hmm. things, if you, if it happens tomorrow, we would not be surprised. We would be like, Hey, yeah, that's, uh, that's the right way to go. So it's, it's amazing to be in, uh, in such a, uh, you know, such a time, right. When, right. when these things could, you know, you wouldn't be too surprised if that actually happens. Yeah. The inflection point, right. So talking about unpredictability of the output. Uh, so yesterday, you know, Google demoed their GPT <laughs> called BARD. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then the demo went bad, and then the Google lost like eight uh, percent of their market value. So literally, eight yeah. percent is like almost one twenty billion dollars, or or even two hundred billion dollars lost because the, the question that they you know that they tried to demo gave a wrong answer. So imagine how how difficult it is, right? So if it was easier to control the output of these systems, they would have definitely done that. Two hundred billion dollars, right? Yeah. So yeah, that shows how difficult these things are. Um, that 200 billion but, could have know, gone towards funding more research. That's, that's my only downside <laughs> to this whole thing. <laughs> you know, speaking also, you know, on this, yeah. yes, on this idea of ethics uh, and doing these experiments, mm. uh, one of the movies that uh, I think it's it's a it's a great movie that brings up these questions is Gattaca. Um, uh, you might have mm. seen it. It's yep. kind of like an older older movie. It's it's titled Gattaca because yeah. that's the four letters that comprise the human DNA. A, T, G, and C. Oh. And, um, nice. and so if you watch that movie, it brings up all these questions where there are engineered humans and then there are these non-engineered humans. And, and the questions of, you know, whether a person is less of a human, more of a human, uh, whether based on whether they're engineered or non-engineered, uh, and how do we live in a society when it does happen, when it does happen that we create designer babies or designer organisms, uh, et cetera. How do we, how do we answer these questions? I think that's, that's an interesting movie. Well, I think I, mean, this, I, want to this, see, I want to see a cricket team where like we've engineered everybody to be a, like the best batsman ever. And like maybe the last five to be the best bowlers ever, and, like beat every other cricket team in the world. I think that'd be a pretty cool cricket team to watch. But maybe it'll be boring. China would win the cricket world cup then, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, I mean, so interesting to learn about these things and we should have you over again, Sam, and talking sure. about others. Yeah, definitely. I'd be available. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. to be part of this conversation. Really, really, I, you know, I, I, I've known you guys for a while now and uh, just, uh, just been really fun just catching up and 
and hearing from you guys as well. Great. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. This was amazing. I think like just the level yeah. of learning that we've had and like just to like explore these topics, I think has been fascinating. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks, and, Sam. Uh, yeah, all the best and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Great. So that was a great conversation with our friend Sam, and I think we touched upon multiple things, and uh, you know, inevitably also discussed ChatGPT again in the context <laughs> of biology. Thanks, so it's um, yeah. So that shows how viral that is, right? Um, yeah, and amazing. So I mean, that's the place that we are in where we could actually bring up X Men without saying, "Hey, uh, it's sci-fi." It could actually happen, right? Oh my God! That's yeah. that's what synthetic biology is doing. Who's your yeah. favorite X Men? Chaitanya, who would, you, uh, who would you want to be? Oh, X. Um, oh, that's interesting. I right, should, should be, I I should like be, should be more should be politically correct. Who, who, which X person would you like to be? <laughs> I like Magneto because he's uh, uh, and Wolverine, of course. You know, yes. he's like yeah, so much, so much pain, right? Uh, and Magneto, I think these are my two favorite uh, X Men because they they carry a lot of uh, pain as well. Yeah, man, that's poetic right there. You're, you're talking about the, the psychological scars that they have, even beyond their physical scars. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, Wolverine has always been my favorite. I think like this uh, this ability to like heal and like regenerate, I think has like always I think been that. It's funny, right? I think it's fun. there's like some interesting uh, story about how the original vampire myth, I think, originated with this idea that there were some people that seemed to have longevity. And so the, the kind of allegation was that they were stealing the life force from other people in some shape right. and form, and that led to their longevity. And that's why the notion of the vampire that drinks human blood and stays alive for a long time and is able to yeah. heal itself comes from. And so I think Wolverine is that, right? It's that, that notion of a person that heals and can live for a long time. Right. I think it's fascinating. I think humans have always been fascinated with like immortality. It's so interesting, yeah. right? This notion of living forever. And there's one line from, I think, Troy, uh, it's spoken by, I think, Achilles that I think I'm reminded of, or Achilles' mom telling, talking to Achilles just before he goes to this war that he almost knows he's going to die and not come back from, where I think it's about where he says something like, you know, you know, do you know, why, do you know why the gods envy us? And it's because we're mortal. And because of that, our life matters. And so we take a lot of, there's so much preciousness to something right. when it is finite. When something is infinite, you actually tend to value it a lot less. So that's actually one of those, like, I think, interesting things from all these research that we're seeing happening in synthetic biology is that at some level, it's, it's I think, fundamentally driven by humanity's quest to live forever, right? So yeah. we want to eliminate disease. We want to eliminate every single factor that we think is, like, preventing us from living the longest, most fruitful life. So I, that's the other, like, I think, ethical, interesting question is, let's say this happens, right? We eradicate disease. Because if you look at it, aging actually is not something that is inevitable, it's just at some level, like you can think about aging as a disease as well, yeah. just some kind of like process right. that's like failing after too many iterations. What if you like figure out a mechanism to prevent aging from happening? That's going to be a massive ethical question, <laughs> even more than designer babies. Glad you brought it up. So that could be our next topic, right? So because yeah. there were some very recent developments that happened um, right. on, on this front. So where we are able to understand actually how to you know stop aging and even reverse aging. Right. So it's um, it's you know physical physical aging, right? So not the mental aging, um, where I feel like you know uh, somebody could feel very old because they they have 
taken too much pain, right? Right. <laughs> they, pain. They, they, they will look like a 20-year-old, but they'll still have Alzheimer's. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they could, yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll talk about that again. Um, right. Great. So yeah, that's our show for today. Um, we'll come back with more developments in this area and uh, possibly again with Sam or you know somebody else as well. Love it. Cool. All right. Until next time. See ya. Thanks, guys.